He's a pro. Test, Look at test, him. test, <laughs> test. All right, now we're good. Okay, cool. Um, everyone's phones are on silent. And um, so we'll do three, two, one. It's like milk. Yes. it's got culture in it. And it's, mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about movies that have gone bad over time in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me is... David Rogers, Heps on the Minche. <laughs> David, <laughs> we have a fun guest today who I am excited to introduce, but before we do that, what is the film we are doing today? We are doing a film called I Love You Man, 2009, directed by John Hamburg. Writing credits, John Hamburg and Larry Levine, who I think wrote a little bit on Seinfeld, which is mm, awesome. Mm-hmm. It's got Paul Rudd, Jones, yeah, Jamie Presti, John Favreau, Andy Samberg. It's this a lot stacked. of people in this movie. It is a stacked cast. Exactly. Yes. And you can hear uh, the the voice of our guest. So let me introduce him. We have a deep decide. Is that how you say your last name? Yep. You yeah. got it. Yeah. I mean, I'm foreign. <laughs> Nailed I'm foreign, it. I'm foreign. So I always like get away with like yeah. having an accent and stuff. But right. um, I did. I do have your bio here and I will just pick and choose from it. But basically sure. the way I know Adeep is he's very active in the writer's community, especially people like me who are trying to come break through, gives a lot of amazing advice, is one of the mods of LATV writers Facebook group, I believe. Um, yep, which is I an, run that sucker. Yeah, it's an invaluable mm-hmm. resource for a lot of people. Um, lots of tips about fellowships and stuff like that. Adeep, you were actually um, in the Disney Writers Fellowship a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, right? Or 20, yep. 2020 or 2019? 2019 to 2020. So it's like yeah. all blurring together because it's like yeah. COVID and, and yeah. whatnot. Um, but you're also uh, one of the BAFTA breakthrough people. Yep. You're also an Air Force brat, which I'm an expat brat. Mm-hmm. So we have that in common. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving mm-hmm. around. And you wrote on the Goldbergs, uh, Mirror Royal Detective, um, and two secret Netflix shows that you can't talk mm-hmm. about. But I did want to ask. Are... Oh, go ahead. What'd you say? What are, what are they? What are the secret Netflix shows? They're called uh, <laughs> NDA covered exactly. and untitled unreleased tv oh man i can't wait secret yeah. one and secret two but a, <laughs> a deep um tell us a tiny bit about your um experience going through the fellowships because for those of uh we don't have a ton of people necessarily that listen specifically for writers fellowship stuff we you know have a lot of people who are interested in hearing from our industry people but for those who don't know um, a lot of the networks run writing fellowships. It's a way to find um, undiscovered writers, people who maybe are like on the bubble of becoming TV writers. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience and what the process is? Well, the process is uh, it's extremely involved uh, for Disney in particular. Uh, that's why everyone calls it the Hunger Games mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because it is brutal. It's the most brutal um, of all the, um, applications. So you, um, I mean, I, I did the program, uh, when you, when you get into the program, you basically show up at Disney, um, on the lot and you, you go into this room with all the other writers in your cohort. And then you sort of hang out and write and, uh, meet like showrunners and go on meetings with executives. And, and then they get you out on meetings, um, for shows. And then, 
yeah, then you hopefully you get staffed on a show and then you go on that show and you don't come back to the lot. And uh, yeah, that's kind of like the it's a day job. And yeah. then you get a, on a show. Like, so it's like it's, it's like it's, teach. It's almost like if if writing was like a, a craft that you would learn or trades, you know, how like back in the yeah. day, like, like an yeah. I, a, a, uh, what are they called? The ones it's like an apprenticeship yeah, type yeah. situation. Yeah. And like a blacksmith would have like yeah. a little apprentice. This is your apprenticeship. Yeah, basically. And and I mean, the it's so hard to get in. Um, so it feels like it's sort of beyond that because, you know, 2000 plus people apply and my year they took eight. Um, and that was like the fifth year I applied. Um, yes. I was like, I'm never doing this again. This is the yes. last one. And then that's the year I get in. So I have heard you talk uh, about that on other podcasts. How you are like, I am so done after this. And the, whole, <laughs> the universe was like, just kidding, reeling you back in. I'm pretty <laughs> honest about it because it, it's like, I was, you do it, you do it every year. Like it's taxes is what I say. And, and it's like, okay, here we go. And I totally had forgotten that I applied. It was just all a blur because we had a new baby and I'd started at AFI. And I was like, well, I don't need this program. I'm going to AFI. And then I'm sitting in class and I get a, an email that's a very strange email. It says, congratulations, you're a semifinalist. I'm like, what the, what? Now, <laughs> now I'm in grad school now. What does yeah. that mean? Yeah. No, they didn't care. The universe doesn't care. It's like, oh, Mm-mm. is your life going in different directions? Well, yeah. just let me throw this spanner at you real quick. Yeah. So, one, yeah. Of my, one of my advisors just said, oh, you'll get in because this is the worst time for you to get in. <laughs> and she's right. right. Yeah. Um, I yeah. was a, I was a semifinalist uh, last year for Nickelodeon and it's the same oh. same situation they call I didn't get through to the program but even just getting through the semis like you feel like it's a joke. They like call you out of the blue and then you're just mm-hmm. like what? You know, and it's these people that like everybody's trying to meet. Like I mean mm-hmm. Hollywood does have these gatekeepers, you know. Oh. And then, yeah, they're gatekeepers on gatekeepers. Right. There's a gatekeeper before the gatekeeper, before the gatekeeper. Uh-huh. And then they call you and you're like, what? This can't be real. So, yeah, you really don't believe it, especially the Disney email. And I tell everyone this. It doesn't look real. It looks like spam. <laughs> and and so it's formatted funny. Hopefully they fixed it now. But I've told them for years, like, come on, make it look like a normal email. <laughs> and uh, and so you look at it and I email back. I'm like, is this real or is this spam is like what I emailed back? Because I just did not know if it was legit or not. Like they got hacked. Because um, if it was spam, I, no one would reply to you because it would just. Yeah, exactly. Like, like I knew it was, I pretty much knew it was real, but I just wanted to make sure, like, am I reading this right? Like, <laughs> you meant to send this to me and, you know, those sorts of things. So you don't, because, and then when you get in, you just can't believe it. Like, it's a completely out of body experience because it's so damn hard to get yeah. in. Um, they make you do a lot of crazy things. So, totally. Yeah, and, I'm grateful, and- you know. Yeah. And then you get on the carousel of becoming like a staffed writer. So you worked on the Goldbergs um, Mm -hmm. and that's, that was kind of the pathway, right? Like Disney helped Mm -hmm. you meet those people. Yeah. And then, yeah. And they, they like, they read you and they meet, they meet with you and you take like a real showrunner meeting and um, you know, you, you still have to crush that. It's not like a given that you're going to get on a show and that kind of thing. So I just, I had like 20 pitches in my pocket ready to go. And I had, you know, a weird morning. And so when the showrunner asked me like, Hey, how's your morning going? I'm stuck in here all day. And I told him this insane story. And he's like, you're a comedy writer. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, I think I got this job. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, 
what made you just what made you decide obviously you know writing is something that some people want to do right out of college or like in high school what made you want to become a tv writer well i always love television like everybody else like uh i'll never say it in an essay because that's the kiss of death but Mm -hmm. i will say it on a podcast and it's true (laughs) um and I was sort of I was a touring musician and I was sending letters home to this girlfriend and then she started sharing those letters with other people and they're like these are funny you should think about writing and I was like oh I never thought I could do that um and and but I I knew all about tv because I watched everything so I just started like kind of writing my own stuff like writing specs and shorts and doing the whole thing that everyone else does and um, I really committed to it when I was a music supervisor on a feature and they asked me if I wanted to do a punch up and I was like, sure. And they didn't know that I wrote. And so I came in and I like got some jokes into the movie and I was like, okay, this is a lot cooler than being a music supervisor because I chase bands and, and publishing companies and managers down all day long. And that's like a hassle, you know, unless you're getting paid like a lawyer, you don't want to be a lawyer. So <laughs> Um, what was, was the like, movie? Can you say, pivot. can you say what the movie was? It was, it was a little movie. It was called unsung, but we had, I mean, we had some killer bands in it. Like the Decemberists were in it before they were big. And, um, we had murder city devils and there's like a whole bunch of people at long winters. Um, these are all like Seattle kind of legendary indie bands. So That's awesome. yeah, we were pretty lucky that way. It was before the Decemberists were the Decemberists. It was like, oh, they were like the band down the street, you know, down in Portland. <laughs> and we'll just like, oh, yeah, we'll do it. So that's so interesting. Yeah. Music to writing. I mean, it's obviously that you have like the creative brain, right? So, yeah, that's all I have. All the rest is just a mess. <laughs> you know? It's like, what bills, what bills do? Oh, no, I think I missed another one. Oh, like, I no. just have a swiss cheese brain for that stuff adulting can be hard you know it's hard i'm not good at it It really sucks although you have kids now so it's like you are the like yeah i keep telling them like i'll trade with you guys because they want to be grown-ups and i'm like here here's a letter from the irs oh wait you can't read you don't know what it says but look at all the numbers (laughs) figure out my taxes um (laughs) your daughter's like what yeah i'll play with blocks now dad bye right oh i wish they were that polite yeah. They're, they're not like that at all they're they're and beasts. and you're an air force kid um yep. so tell us a little bit about so you obviously moved around a lot that's kind of like part of the yeah. deal right it's part of the deal mm-hmm. um that you have no say in <laughs> which is weird so my my i've told the story a million times but my parents are from india and then they came over to the states and then they both joined the air force which is really strange because nice. a indian people don't do the air force thing and the mom and dad joined the Air Force at the same time, which is bizarre. And uh, I think it's kind of cute. It's like, let's do it, it together, friends. Yeah, it is kind of cute. And, <laughs> and the cutest part was, well, I was born in New Jersey. Then we got transferred to um, Texas, Wichita Falls, Texas. And the only thing there is this Air Force base. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we lived there, my mom got promoted to like major before my dad. And it was in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> handle and i knew that like kind of bugged him a little bit you know um and then he stayed in longer and he got to like lieutenant colonel and stuff like that and she got out early but and then we moved to new york and then moved to sacramento and then i went up to seattle tacoma for college and then down here so i've been kind of around um but 
you grow up a nomad and you sort of the musician life kind of works for that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, this, I think I've lived here the longest in Los Angeles, which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, That's funny. How long have we been here? People always, people always think I'm a, I'm an army brat kid or a air force kid because I grew up in Asia and moved around a lot. But really my dad Mm -hmm. is just an architect who was like, I'm going to move around Asia with my family. And my mom had a job that was like, transferable so it's just funny I mean in America I feel like if you meet a kid or sorry an adult now who was like I had a weird childhood that was very nomadic everyone in America is like oh army and I'm like yeah yeah for me I'm like no just you know travel-y type parents um it's it's an interesting upbringing because it makes you very resilient in some ways and it makes you like learn how to hit the ground running, which I think is an invaluable skill in a writer's room. Um, Someday I'll get there. I'll figure it out. You know? <laughs> yeah. The thing is like culture is so different everywhere that totally. there are all these unspoken rules. And if you don't know them, you just step in all kinds of nonsense. Um, and writer's rooms are their own culture and every room is different. So you may know like, oh, okay, I worked on five shows and you walk into a six show and you're like, what is this happening is here? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you hear it all the time that every set so different. Yeah, every time. I mean, David's acting. He's you know trying to break through in that world. So I think that's the same thing for actors. You sort of have to jump in and hit the ground running and just figure out the landscape, figure out the hierarchy. And I mean, I worked on my first movie, and I've heard from many people that it was a very positive experience. I have nothing Mm. to measure it against, right? Right. So I'm sure if you walk on a set and it is very stressful, um, yeah, it's it's a very different experience. So I, I wonder uh, what's harder being an actor or a writer, because I've been having this debate with a lot of friends. I have a theory uh, because what's a friend of mine theory? who has an Emmy for writing uh-huh. quit writing to be an actor. Really? It was easier. What? <laughs> and he like full on said, oh, I only have to study this part for like a day or two. I go do, do it. Bingo, bango. I'm out. If I don't get it, I'm not out that minute, much time or effort but you slave over these scripts and you work on them for years and years. And they're like, people just don't even read them. And you're like, Oh, I just wasted five years of my life on that. You know, David, what do like, you, what do you, what do you think yeah, David, as the I, actor? I could definitely see that. Cause I've heard stories of people that did break through and they put all their time years and years into it, rent equipment to be able to shoot it themselves, uh, save money to like edit it finally do it and it was just shit <laughs> like fuck back to the drawing board and then yeah. and then they got to do it again and again but yeah, yeah acting it's if you're right for the part you're gonna fit in a little bit better like right you, yeah like you were saying you you study it for a few days get your choices down see how like your mm-hmm. angle your perspective go in try to crush it even yeah. if you do crush it you may just not be right for the part yeah. right looking yeah. whatever otherwise you might look amazing for the part and right. there's five other people that were acting way better than you you still <laughs> might get it just because you right. check the box a little bit better See, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're off to the next one if you don't get it it's, i think acting is resubmit, harder because resubmit. i mean with writing and this is me obviously being such a baby in the industry and stuff but like with writing at least you can hide behind your work you know like you're still just sort of a name on yeah. a piece of page i mean maybe this is just if you're like you know let's talk like just submitting with an with an an actor you're like putting your face out there you're like really like this is me on a plate with a writer i feel like maybe that's just me being like a little like don't look at me which it's wouldn't both worlds kind of be similar in that point because um like when we had when we were talking to barry paris um he was saying don't tap 
like uh, directors, casting directors on the shoulder until you're ready for them to turn around. Yeah. And I've had acting coaches say the same thing. You got to be ready when you go in front of these people because mm-hmm. you can crush the audition. They're going to tell you you're not ready for it, but they're going to mm-hmm. keep you in mind. Mm-hmm. David, I'm calling you back in um, when there's something for you. I love the way you act. You're, mm-hmm. you're a really talented actor. Great. Um, I'm just not right for this part. Same thing with probably writing though. If you, if your name's on a script and it's like, wow, this person can only use, you know, 20 different words. And, <laughs> and it's like, it's oh, not I know funny. that guy, whatever, you know what I mean? And they're like, this is the yeah. same joke. He always yeah, writes. They, oh, <laughs> they might just say like, I've definitely done that. Yeah. Why? Like, oh, I see his or her name again. They might yeah. not read that if they don't have the time. Right. But if you crush it the first one, it's like, yeah. ah, they didn't really hit the mark, but this writing's amazing. Right. Like, They'll when, say, when oh, it's name. not really like for us or it's not yeah. something we, we do right now or we're not staffing for a show like this. Like your sample isn't perfect for the mm-hmm. show that you're submitted on. But if they like the writing, they'll take a general with you. you yeah, know, like they'll the, the remember your well. name too. Yeah. I mean, I my name's that's... pretty weird, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'll remember your name for sure, no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Like how many A's? Yeah, right. exactly. Double A. We love that. Mm-hmm. Top of the list if we're going alphabetical by first <laughs> That's name. right. That's right. But uh, yeah. I think, it, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, like the conversation about writers and actors, because I do think those are the two creative pursuits where, I mean, directing as well, but like with directing, you kind of rely on so many other people as well to help you yeah. execute something. Writing is literally you at your computer screen, typing away, pouring your heart and soul into like a story. And with acting, you're embodying a character. It's just yeah. you. Maybe you read opposite someone, but so I, I think, think it's the- a little more narrow focused too, right? Compared mm-hmm. to a director that has right. to have, I need right. the wide vision of this start right. to end. How does this yeah. whole story pan out? And with actors and writers, I think they would start maybe more smaller um smaller scale well i don't know you guys can let me know but for acting yeah i'm trying to figure out each line each word okay this has got to have this feeling i got to substitute but you say that action with this writers go through the same thing like each word choice is so you know like writing is having a good sample or having a good show is like that could be the difference of like a couple of like sentences of like i I don't know i mean especially in the first few pages yeah. yeah i mean you can sort of live and die by um some you know throwaway First nonsense in there yeah. yeah i mean it's just if you don't get there fast enough that's usually the thing that i see with scripts um, it's like they just what we don't need three pages to get to your main character like get your main character you know on page one or two preferably by the end of page one if you can you know you don't need to set up this whole world on page one you know it's you're inter- actually setting up the world as you go on the story and the journey, you know? That's what I've heard from a lot of like managers, assistants and people that have, you know, sort of had the privilege to sort of connect with the first 10 pages. You always hear it, the first 10 pages. I know that the overall script has to be amazing, but people's attention spans are short. I'm sure it's the same with auditions too. Like if you come in and the first beat isn't there, there's just so many people behind you. And before you, cause Mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta really grab their attention say like, Hey, be with me right here right now yeah um as i'm doing my character or whoever Look I'm presenting. yeah whoever i'm presenting at this time so with that do you guys would you rather have the freedom to write either way say you guys do get super established which i hope you both do and you can write anything you want mm-hmm. would you want to be able to take five pages to introduce the first character um, or did you still, do you still like to write the way, introduce the main character for his page? I mean, like I say on the first, but like, it's not a rule. I mean, there's certainly people who, 
who break the rules. Once you reach a certain level, you can do whatever you want. That's yeah, that's like, what I'm getting. At. That's so that's what? like the funny part. It's like, oh, now you're, um, you know, you're BB Waller Bridge or you're, you know, um, any of those kind of cats. And it's like, oh, you could just hand a napkin in and it just says story here and they're like here's a truck and we'll just back up the money truck and speaking of that let's talk about a film i love you man let me do i I love love you man okay there's a guy he proposes to his girlfriend of eight months which i roll let's discuss Uh um yeah he is a babe, I suppose. Um, and then they're talking about the marriage and he realizes that he doesn't have anyone to be in his bridal party on like his side, the groom. He has no really close male friends and his girlfriend slash fiance played by the beautiful Rashida Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a ton of friends, always gets together, does girl nights. So he goes on this quest to basically find a best friend to be his best man and ends up going on a ton of man dates, finding some really interesting characters. This is set in LA, which I always love because I live in LA. I wonder if people outside of LA realize how crazy it is to drive to Venice at five o'clock, but no oh, worries. Dude, I know. Let's we'll jump into that. that. <laughs> um, anyway, he ends up meeting his new best friend, this guy named Sydney. Shout out to Australia. Um, he is played by Jason Seagal. Siegel, Jason Siegel. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. And kind of a slob. We'll jump into that. Anyway, yeah. their relationship develops. They become best friends. Something happens. They have a fight. It's the turn. You hear about it in screenwriting. And then, of course, they come together at the end. He shows up to the wedding. Bada bing, bada boom. He had a best man, even though he had a brother and a dad and a ton of other people. But let's jump into it. So Adeep chose this film. Um, and now after knowing more about your music background, I'm wondering if you chose this film mm. because you love Rush. Is this? Well, I, I, I do like Rush. I'm not like a big Rush fanatic, but I um I like the music part in it because of the how close they get through the music. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the moment when you mm-hmm. see their relationship come together. It's like, oh, you like Rush? I like Rush. Do you like to play like this kind of music? Yes, I do. Do you play music? I do. It's like they're just like boom, and that's the power. I'm an axe man. You know, yeah, I'm an axe. Like I, I slap, I slap at that bass. Slap at the bass. We we say that like every day in our house. Actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like I slap at that bass. Because I think the overarching theme of this whole film is like how difficult it can be to make friends as an adult. Yeah, and yeah. especially for men and. I want to ask yeah. you guys, do you think it is hard to be an older man? Oh, let's just back up. Well, you know, we're old here. Well, I mean, we're, in our, we're all in our 30s, I think, I'm guessing. Um, you I'm know. timeless. Okay. That's what I say. He's timeless. So could be 20, <laughs> could be 15. Do you That's guys right. think it's harder to make friends now than it was in like high school? Uh, I, it depends. If you with his character, with Peter Clavin, he didn't have friends growing up. You right. only had girl, you only had girlfriends. So that's a main issue because if you don't have yeah. other friends to piggyback off of and get introduced to other friend groups, you're gonna be yeah. it's gonna be hard to click up with other people that you may have similarities to, have you know, um, like music, like rush, whatever, sports. And it's hard to find those people if you're just out there rocking solo and hanging yeah. out with your girlfriend and her friends. So yeah. I don't think so for me, because I've um I've met people through other people and then I've been real tight with some some in that group some in that group and mm-hmm. then we kind of kick it uh one-on-one too and develop that friendship right what do you I, think Adib? well um 
I didn't have a ton of friends shocker uh, growing up because like, oh, I moved again. Okay, let's start over. And like, even when you change schools in town, like you start over, right? Like if like all my friends from elementary school went to one middle school and I went, I had to go to a different one. And so it was like, start over again. And then we're all together in high school. So I was like, hey, you know, we're back (laughs) together. But um, I find it much easier making friends as an adult because I know who I am mm-hmm. a little better. I'm more confident in who I am because I was just terrified uh, as a child. And um, I'm just like, oh, I can be weird and be myself. And if you don't like it, like, I don't give a shit. You yeah, know? you can say, fuck it now. You don't have yeah. to force anything. You can be no. like, listen, me and that person don't click. And that's that's yeah. okay. Well, I don't ever have to kick it with that person. Because Peter Cleveland kind of does force it. You know, he is he like does. forcing himself to go on these mandates. I'm with you guys. I think... I, I listen I think it's also a personality thing I do not find sure. it difficult to make friends as an adult I mean I also am very like selective about I have a ton of acquaintances but like my close mm-hmm. like crew is you know we're tight like David's in that crew like there's I don't I do like acquaintances and then I do like you're my family I will die for you sure yeah there's that yeah. right and also yeah. because like you said you get older and you're just like I don't have time for this bullshit like in high yeah, school you just cut everybody right out. there that were sucks. people in the fringes <laughs> that you're like oh, we have nothing in common but it does feel like Peter Clavin's character is just like forcing himself to go on these dates to find and he, the guys. And, and he like, does that because he walks in on Rashida Jones, uh, Zoe's character yeah. and all her girlfriends. And they're saying, and he, Rashida even says, I think his best friend is his mom. And you yeah. kind of see feeling bad and all the women are jump piling in. Like, what if he's a psycho? Yeah. Wow, that's so weird. But, he doesn't and he's like friends. overhearing it yeah. while making root beer float. Which, <laughs> yeah. With chocolate you know. straws. Which and was, I was like, so cute i was like what a good boyfriend oh my god so he comes out and my daughter was she was watching it with me because i was like oh we can fast forward through all the naughty bits and (laughs) um and she's like that's like you daddy and i was like yeah i know (laughs) because i'll like when all the girls when all my wife and her friends are over i'll like serve them and do that you're the you know you're the peter yeah, I'm the Peter. I'm such a Peter. It's Peter crazy. Claire. Yeah, but you he's are, like a romantic and you're yeah. married. I assume. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to be married to have kids. Spoiler alert. No. They used to ah, us. What? I know. You know. David, chill. It's fine. The paperwork's <laughs> easier when you're married. Yeah. It's just. Yeah. But yeah. Um, did you have a best man at your wedding? You're the only one of us that I. Yeah, married, I mean, so. I had well, my brother. OK, you know, was my best man. And then I had I mean, I had all my. What like, about Hank tight, Mardukas? Tight Dude, Hank Mardukas and I are like this. <laughs> we talk four times a week. Uh, Hank Mardukas is also one of my favorite things, and I'll use that like as a reservation name. That's a great oh, reservation. I like name. That. Yeah, it's it's kind of great. So yeah. for those that don't know who haven't seen the film, it came out in 2009. I mean, you've had time, but Hank Mardukas, <laughs> J.K. Simmons plays um peter Clavin's dad and he is like well do you have a best friend and he's like yes hank mardukas and he's like what the fuck is the that? last he's, 30 years like we text robbie a couple times a day hank mardukas robbie yeah. is his yeah. younger brother played by andy samberg <laughs> and then of course robbie here wait yeah. robbie's your best friend, your best friend? Yeah. and then yeah. at the end he's and like you're, and then at the end he's like you're both my best friends and hank mardukas. yeah so and hank's right there <laughs> yeah, the part, at the room. wedding yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so okay. So your brother was your best man. I mean, yeah. listen, I don't think it's weird that your siblings or your family are the closest people to you. Like that's the thing. Friends can come and go, but family, mm. if you if you have that type of family, not everybody does, but like that's mm-hmm. a very real thing. And I yeah, was thinking, like, 
okay this is something that bumped for me in this film okay he's got all these close female friends by the way what is this traditional idea that men have to stand up with men like and women have to stand up on i was, I was actually David, thinking yeah. about that paris would you would you stand up if i ever got married would i was literally just having this conversation with scott i was i literally just said to scott <laughs> i was like it's gonna be so weird david's gonna be like one of my bridesmaids or like whatever i've been and, a bridesman twice yeah oh nice yeah i, I was yeah. thinking of like the you know when you like have beers like i've been a best man twice okay uh, great different like great subtle flex uh um, yeah so no big deal no big deal i've been asked actually two you times. get a free in and out sandwich if you do three. <laughs> exactly. you just like you have to bring the marriage to go yeah. for it you know? yeah yeah um so like i was thinking i'm like oh like you know it'd be cool paris would be in the room when we're all cha- like all the guys change together you have <laughs> drinks so yeah. it's like paris wear, we're all I getting a suit or like a yeah. rest version of it. i mean that's the thing Having like beers. my brother never- <laughs> my brother is also one of my best friends and like yeah. and i mean i'm sure scott would like include him but i think we've moved past this idea of like it oh. has to be men and women so that's like that's my like it's right off the bat. I know it's 2009, oh, sure. but I'm like, uh, this guy's like forcing it. Like, where are his female friends? Why can't they be a part of it? You know? Well, that's Never. what I don't, that's what I don't understand um, because I have more female friends than male friends. And um, like, they weren't in my wedding party because my wedding party is like my OG, like going way back to like nine years mm. old type people. Yeah. And that just happened to be all, all dudes, but all the, you know, I, I was, a few women's like closest friend and it's like yeah that's just a deep like that he's not like these other guys he's not toxic he's like oh yeah you guys want mimosas like i'm down and you know (laughs) i I just i don't know i don't really care about any of that kind of stuff but i'm a completely non-traditional person same a buddy we were at a wedding and uh all the guys went out golfing one day that were in the wedding party and me and my buddy jared we went and got Manny Petties and mimosas with ah. all, the, all the wives. Yeah. And then, <laughs> That's my move. Yeah, we were just sitting there hanging out. And I was, I was like, golf. they just bring you mimosas yeah. while they play with your feet? Yeah. I'm like, sweet. It's the best. Look, I, got, the best. I got crazy toes, man. I think I need some help. <laughs> and like, I live in a house full of women. Like, I have two daughters yeah. and a wife and a, one female dog and one male dog. And it's you and the male like, dog he, are like, me and you, pal. We're just like so tired. Like, yeah, why right. won't so tired. anyone love us? And, um, <laughs> You know, so I'm like very, very comfortable around women. And actually, when I'm like in school functions and stuff, all my friends are moms. And they're, right. I've been told multiple times, you're one of the moms. <laughs> it's, just, like, oh. it's just so interesting because like, I don't want to say the term toxic masculinity because I don't think that necessarily fully applies to this film. But I, it, think, we're, I think we're borderline. We are bar- borderline. I agree. Where it's yeah, like, I wrote that down. Where it's like, I have to have... I have to go on the hunt for a man. It's like, first of all, you're manufacturing this friendship in, I don't know what the accelerated timeline is here. I couldn't well, quite June figure it out. Well, June 30th is the um, the wedding date, but so I don't When do you remember. think they get engaged? I don't know, I think they say, right? I is think it it's maybe months? like, is it even like a month that? Or so. It's probably wow. like a month or two. Okay, yeah. so what's the rush here, guys? Like, what's the rush? First of all, who's getting engaged after eight months? Like, to me, that was like, what is happening? And then I, yeah, they live together. Yeah. yeah. When did they move in? That's what I was thinking too. Like okay, eight month months two. is a, yeah. So eight months is is a is well. A first of all, quick... David's like, why would you move in with? Yeah. <laughs> David, oh. David's dream scenario is to have two houses next door to each other Dude. with a with a bridge. <laughs> That's his dream. Uh, and I live across. I'm, me and Scott I'm live across over the street. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's like I'm gonna go sleep in my bed. You yeah. go sleep in exactly. yours, and we're actually both gonna sleep. 
yeah. and that's yes. gonna be cool but they're exactly. they're they're living together and they look very settled living together it's not like there's never any comment yeah. like hey you just moved in like they fully yeah. live together there's bills and shit with both of them it's a great point so it's... what's this accelerated timeline yeah. Which is another thing that popped out. I know we talk about diversity. So he didn't have one like minority friend. I, there was a lot well, of. Well, he good... didn't have any friends. True. True. Right. True. So, but, like, he, but he didn't. But then we didn't any, even. He didn't pursue any friendships with anyone. Yeah. They, we didn't even get a tryout. I mean, he did have. Did you, did he did you have a the gay friend. Because I did. How many? I always do. So you like, none had more than like only Aziz had more than one line. Yeah. And then Larry Fillmore was the Larry uh, Fillmore was the married yeah, him. officiant. Yeah. And, and how do you um, not use him more? Because you can't because he was probably hella busy in 2009. <laughs> like, I don't know, Bernie Mac or something. I bet it was back to those days. Yeah. Um, and then you had Jay Chandrasekhar, but he didn't have any lines, really. He's just one of the poker guys. So there are oh. like a few poker guys of color. But yeah, yeah like the thing is, you didn't have to have that back then. No. Well, we you know, always we, but we always talk about that. And it's like, OK, so there's some movies that we do that are like kind of low hanging fruit. You know, like we did Breakfast at Tiffany's is like one right. of our very early films. And there's like yeah. such a horrific portrayal in that. We oh, always come back mm-hmm. to it. Right. Mickey Rooney. Super yeah. bad. Super bad. Yeah. And then you look at a film like this, 2009. Yeah. It's not that long ago. It's 12 years. And yeah. it didn't even like now this this movie would just not fly. Like you look at the diversity casting and things like Schmigadoon, which is just yeah, like post, post-racial, great. you know. Yeah, show's pretty funny so far. Or um, I'm trying to even think like uh oh, Bridgerton. Bridgerton. Um, um the George, there's like a bunch of like Netflix is really good about it. They just sort of do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they, the it's like Rashida's Rashida's biracial. Yeah, so, yes, Rashida's that's biracial. true. You counted, and well, I always counted. <laughs> you counted, yeah. I always counted, man. I, I, I like, think I do too. Like even subconsciously, and I walk yeah. out. Like, yeah, yeah. And no, every, <laughs> everything I watch, I'm counting how many minorities, and I turn to my wife and be like, hmm. <laughs> how many <laughs> people of color is, in this? And she's is your like, wife of color what? or is she? She's white, white but. Yeah. She, what's up girl same she, got yeah, she notices um that stuff even before i do sometimes. there you go that's not where i go that's not like my default state uh i'm more into like the story and how the characters mm-hmm. unfolding and stuff and then but then when I'll you think like, about it you're like hold on a yeah. second <laughs> and that's what's so funny like when 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 white actors or writers are like like you're taking all the jobs it's like i just watched a movie get greenlit with all white people <laughs> yeah uh at, like and that's happened five times in the last month yeah. Uh, and then they threw one token in there, you know, and I'll be like looking on the IMDb like, OK, do any of them seem like they could be black or Latina or, you know, whatever. And, I think that's ridiculous, yeah. too, that they say yeah. like, taking all your jobs, because I, yeah. I follow a lot of people or watch uh, people that Paris like interacts with on Twitter. And then sometimes I'll go down rabbit holes and I'll see that. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I couldn't. They didn't pick me because. I'm white, a white man. I didn't have a or white woman, and they're like, yeah. I don't have a you know a diverse mindset or some something like that. I'm yeah. like, well, well, are you sure it's just that? You know, yeah. White, pe- white people are fine. You know, like you know, and I know you can speak to this as well, Adip. Like for every diversity space that they carve out for a writer or a creator or an actor or whatever. Yeah, it's just the status quo that like yeah. there's more white people usually in a room. I mean, all twelve other people are. Yeah, white. exactly. Yeah, but they're like, here's the one. Yeah, and and it's like, and they're like throwing you a bone. They're like, mm-hmm. you should be grateful that we threw this to you. And it's like, 
bitch, I earned this. Like, yeah, yeah. I worked my ass off to get here. To get here. So yeah. it was. Well, I'm not a nepotism hire, and I'm not a diversity hire. You can call me that if you want, but I am not that. I'm way and more. You than got that. what it you're takes. You're just a writer. Talented. Yeah. yeah I just I'm think just we're a writer a... who happens to be Indian, but you know, fuck it. Who cares? We're, like, we're in a weird spot. Hopefully, it gets more and more where it's like that shit really doesn't matter, and it's just your work. Yeah. Because they, because it's just opportunity, right? um it's people everybody should access, have opportunity yeah. and access yeah. exactly access yeah. to those gatekeepers like you guys are saying and those gatekeepers mm. gatekeepers um, yeah not just saying but i do I'm think all about the gatekeeper thing but i also do think that like the diversity thing is important right now because we're not at a place of like you who, where you come from or like what your story is doesn't matter like maybe one day it'll be a completely equal playing field but it still isn't so no i know but this i like we're people come from different backgrounds right yeah different stories different mindsets different perspectives and that just adds to everything we're trying to make if i could tell you the number of times i've had to quit i've joined and quit like a couple of writing groups because like (laughs) i just cannot read another sample spec about six white college frat boys that went Mm -hmm. to school in either like chicago new york or la and i'm just like why do i get you're not writing the new new girl and i don't care about these characters so yeah i'm yeah i i I think you're right the the diverse background thing is so interesting and adeep i've heard you speak about this on other podcasts and i've seen you give this advice on clubhouse and stuff like that like when you are presenting yourself as a writer or an actor like people care about your story right they do yeah and you have to find a way to it's like pick three things and then like really be mm-hmm. like why am i why am i different like why is my voice mm-hmm. necessary in a room yeah it's it i was just talking to someone yesterday and it's like it's my it's my spiel because i do teach like how to write your fellowship essays and stuff like that um but it's really like what are the three four things they're going to remember about you they may not remember your name you know like but they'll remember your story if it's interesting right stories right. get stuck in our heads we may not remember like what was that character's name? But we remember what that character went through. And that's, it's kind of like the same for us. And it's like, give me that kid who's, you know, Indian and Air Force brat and a musician. Like, there's only one. Yeah. Like, you know. Narrow it down more and more. Yeah. So, it, you know, you just kind of have to know. I always tell people, like, write, like, a hundred things about yourself that you think might be interesting and just see what shakes out. Sometimes and, it's hard you know, to advice. Sometimes it's also hard to think what is interesting about you. Like I've said to people before, yeah. like, I don't think my story is that interesting. And then when we start to scratch the surface, it's like, hang on a second. You lived in Hong Kong in the nineties, like before the internet and like, yeah. but it's to you, if you know your own story, I think the list thing that you always suggest is great because then you could be like, Oh, this is like, you know, I don't know. I just think we we all it's hard to be objective about ourselves, right? Yeah, it's impossible. Like you almost have to when you're going through that process of like, oh, what's my what's my thing? It's I always say like ask your friends because they know better than you do. It's like they can just tell you like you do this, this and this really well. Or <laughs> when I think of you, I think of these things and you're like, oh, that's cool. I didn't I really wasn't going there at all. Like it's all three things you wouldn't even say about yourself because we're all sort of too modest, I think. And, and we're like, we don't want to say like, I'm awesome at this or I'm awesome at that. And like, there's some things I'm awesome at, like, and I'll say like, I'm really, really good at this one thing and I'm terrible at everything else. Like (laughs) they're like, I can play music really, really well, but like 
there are so many things like I can't draw for crap, you know, like uh, there are all kinds of artistic things I can't do. So it's just knowing what your strengths are and I think it's always you want to be known for when you when you start I find people fascinating when I first moved to LA I used to uber pool everywhere because I was like broke and also it was a great way to see people and save money and I ended up making so many friends out of uber pool really pre-covid times yep um I made a great friend named eBay he's this like gorgeous male model from Sweden he knows all the guys now he just had a kid he's been back in Sweden but like he was so, you know, like, I'm just like, so curious about people. And I mm-hmm. think you're right. Like, if you start to just have a conversation, like people will just amaze you with like, who yeah. they are, what their experiences are. And especially in a city like LA, it can be very um, interesting. You can meet a Sydney, for example, Jason Siegel's character. Yeah. So yeah. Peter, let's, Peter let's Clavin should have done Uber pool is what you're saying. Yes. He yeah. would have made to a make, friend. But that cat, I mean, that cat couldn't find a taxi. I don't think Uber was. Yeah. Be. 2009. <laughs> but How do I call a taxi? Let's talk about Jason, Jason Siegel's character. Yeah. Do you guys, would you guys be friends with him? Cause I wouldn't. And it's because of the dog shit. That is something I yeah. cannot but that, if, if so, would that be the only thing if you could correct that? Like, Hey man, listen, this is why you pick up. <laughs> no, I mean, and he was like, okay, I get it. He I'll is, pre- he is presented as someone that is like very carefree and Peter is uh Paul Rudd's character is very like rigid and strict. And that's yeah. when they become friends, obviously. But, and they help each other out to yeah. polish some of those things. But up. that was like, I was watching that and I'm like, man, that age, like milk for me, like just seeing him let us talk shit in the middle. <laughs> that's I just such a deal so, breaker. I'd be so pissed. Fuck oh. if I saw that. That's part of who he is, right? He's yeah. just like, hey, we're all animals. And yeah. Blah, 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 yeah. Blah. I think every <laughs> every person has one thing that's just fucking so Nasty. shitty. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of what mine is. I can't remember what mine is, but I, I'm sure I have like 10 uh, oh i have a lot of things i know that like yeah. my friends will be like don't look at that guy and i immediately turn around and i can't oh. help it like i'm yeah. that i'm that friend that immediately is like makes it obvious that we're talking about the guy at the bar so i don't... i this is embarrassing to say but um and i know i say this all the time uh i think all men are born misogynists and Ooh, it just takes time uh and talking to women to, to like learn how not to be one. So and you're like, saying that Jason Siegel's character could have maybe learned to pick up the dog shit. He's he can learn. He can grow. Like these are things that uh, are not like you're gonna die leaving your yeah. shit on the on the ground. You yeah. know. And he is growing. Um, Paul Rudd's telling him basically like, hey man, I like the fact that that me and Zoe sit in a room and watch chocolate and yeah. drink chocolate. a bottle of wine. <laughs> that was one of the best nights I've had in five years. It's yeah. not TV. It's HBO. It's HBO. This is which premium. Is still, yeah. that, that is still very still true. Now, true. I have to yeah. say yeah. like HBO is crushing it's, it with the content. They just crush it all yeah. the time. So yeah. it's just they're they're learning from each other. And then Paul Rudd's really timid on talking about oral sex and yeah. things like that. He's like, he just we can't talk about this. Guy friends. And Sydney's like, yeah, yeah, we can talk yeah. about this, yeah. man. Like, you know, you think about sex constantly during the day. Why can't we talk about it? We're human beings. This is something yeah. we feel. He, but then it's funny because it's like Peter has like evolved too far, like where he's become already married and he's not married and he has no guy friends. And then Sydney's yeah. character is like, got a bunch of condoms and uh, lube in the chair because he likes to jerk jerk off station because he lasts longer with himself. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's interesting what you said about misogyny because I think, again, talking about this film as like almost on the verge of being toxic uh, masculinity in a a film, there were a couple things that like they kind of hinted at 
wanted to ask you guys like he's got this co-worker who's like watching porn at work granny oh, that, porn yeah that would yeah. not fly she's a squirter no she's I'm a squirter you just oh could you gosh, even do squirting. that in a movie today i don't know like the thing is he's a repellent character and yes. and so those people can do kind of whatever it's like yeah you know there are lots of tv shows where like awful awful people who do awful things so maybe but i don't if know if you watch porn at work in 2021 you would get in the wake of me too you would or if you sent it so much sent it oh my god if you sent it you yeah, yeah so much trouble he's like at bush <laughs> i like i was on a i was on i'm on a bunch of dad group chats because that's my life and someone posted that's what you something, do someone posted something really really messed up and i left the group and i left for like a good year and all my buddies like why did you leave and i was like because of that one text and they're like oh yeah 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 that one like everyone knew he went they were too chicken to be like hey man that wasn't cool or i'm out of here you sort of had to keep playing i'm like i can't have this pop up on my phone in a meeting while i'm like on zoom right oh your daughter like randomly i mean i don't know yeah oh none of that and these are these are dads and i'm like i'm not gonna call them out but i'm not gonna participate you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's okay. I've had to leave some of those. As I, well, I left know? a group chat okay. recently over a joke that I found to be very distasteful, and uh, I will be rejoining it. But that's fine. Yeah. Um, uh, I went back and I was like, "Oh, is that cat still here? Okay, he's here, but I haven't seen anything weird." So <laughs> maybe he out. grew. Maybe he started picking up maybe. his dog shit. Yeah, his yeah. yeah. His metaphorical dog. I was gonna shit. say, is that the metaphor yeah. we use now? Yeah. 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 Hard to pick up his dog shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. I yeah. always think he could do it. I just yeah. didn't know. But yeah, it's good to What's hear you. What's his dog? What's his dog's name again? Dog Anwar Sadat. Anwar Sadat. Yeah. Which actually, <laughs> fun fact. Uh, I think his daughter like sued. Tried to sue. Yeah. Tried to sue. Oh, right, yeah. Right. Because of that. the name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, right. Like the likeness. And then um, any copies of the movie sold in Egypt have since um, had the scene removed. Interesting. No way. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know well, that. I, I read that it was like it's an insult in Egypt to be considered like a dog. I mean. Dog. Oh, sure. Yeah. Most places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean. My dog's but, names are Brando and Audrey. I mean, they straight up are named after movie stars. And yeah. I don't think uh, anyone would care. No, but that's, it's if, different. It's culturally, right? Like it's cultural. Like, whatever. I mean, you can name a dog after me, but why would you want to use this <laughs> well, name ever again? stand by. Anything? Like, let's see yeah. what happens in your career. And it'll be like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? um, so that was something I noticed that was funny. Um, also, did you guys think that maybe Heineken sponsored this film? Because there was a lot of Heineken lot product of Heineken placement. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I yeah. like Heineken, so uh-huh. I was like, "Yeah, cool." You saw okay. it. Yeah, yeah. I just um, there's some fresh Heinekens in the in the mini. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Would you like a beer?" And I was like, yeah. "I feel like in a lot of movies now, it's like nondescript or the labels tilted." You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know if like 12 years ago, product placement was way more, or if I'm just like just noticed it in this film. But I, I like, mean, back back then, like Heineken was pretty pretty like really popular, and they mm-hmm. were doing a lot of ads and product placement so that yeah. would make sense what you know? does uh paul rudd call it when he says he's like oh you want a beer and paul rudd i just love all the the funny oh, names the he pop- has for yeah. stuff yeah like he's trying to find a cool nickname and then he calls other stuff too Jobin, like, Jobin, Jobin, yeah magooch like, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he yeah, says yeah. something about the that. beers he's like oh i'll take a 
and he says something else funny. There's a ton is of. Is it quotes. like a, I'll take a a brew? No, a broski or some, it's something. It's like, like so, that, I can't yeah. remember. I think I wrote it down because it was like, <laughs> what the? I can't yeah. remember that. They had fun. They just like would making up gibberish words. Oh yeah, food. you know that. Was a ton <laughs> I wonder. I, I'm sure they were riffing off each other too because those guys yeah. have known each other and worked together a million yeah. times. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to watch. Like, oh, how many of these people are now? Uh, Marvel superheroes mm-hmm. uh, or sh- like because you got Favreau you got I was like that's Ant-Man I told my daughter like that's Ant-Man she's like that's Ant-Man I'm like yeah and she, <laughs> she's like wait and I'm like and he shot Iron Man and she's yeah like, what John Favreau like went on to have such a crazy career as a director who knew maybe you get Jason Siegel as the next uh like Green Lantern <laughs> he can go was that yeah. DC yeah. yeah he could go to DC <laughs> I mean, do if, boot he camp. Wants, if he yeah. wants um, oh, I'll snake a brew. That's what he said. I'll snake, I'll a, snake brew. a brew. Yeah. Oh, I'll snake a brew. Yeah. I'm gonna start saying that. Just, oh, I'll snake yeah. a brew. Like what? What are you talking about? Snake like, a brew. Like there are certain jokes in, in this that like I don't think you would write today. You know, like there are a bunch of jokes where like what they're, they're like. Well, like, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to ask you guys yeah. about the homophobia. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. You know, like the Andy Samberg. I mean, J.K. Simmons' character is, is like making like not he's not like criticizing him but he says something about andy sandberg's character like sucking a dick and yeah then, and yeah. andy sandberg says like yeah i love going after straights um and i just feel like there was like it was again this movie is like really toeing the line of like yeah. we're offensive see um, i would like to see when I was, I was thinking the same thing but i'd like to see you know somebody from that community if they felt it was distasteful mm-hmm. or something like that because they right. they uh i know a lot of i know a few gay guys that would probably think that's hilarious right yeah. the way i've joked around with them or they've said jokes in front of me right. that i've heard and the way like jk simmons goes he's like but i'm very accepting and i love my son right, right. so it's kind of and like a sweet moment at, at the end time, too I think. get to be that in 2009 oh, to char- yeah to have a character that openly supportive of their gay son, gay Even son in 2009 yeah. i think it was still notable yeah, you know. I think so too. Yeah, and it's interesting as well. Like sexual, I saw a tweet today, and it didn't list name the show, but I'm like 99% positive it was about Schmigadoon. Again, we've like uh-huh. we've we've moved past this, and it was saying something about like how can we be post racial and have you know these uh, diversity castings with no comment in a town like Schmigadoon, which is you know the, the show takes place in like it's been to be like the 1920s or something like i don't know well they're stuck in a musical wait right. what so what was yeah. the comment well the tweet the tweet the tweet <laughs> was scared. the tweet was basically like it's annoying to me that like we have this post racial casting happening across the board but like there's a character that still feels like they have to be closeted or come out in this like dramatic way so it's interesting oh because like the uh oh, the, the preacher com- but the mayor or something right. like that right the con- the there. conversation yeah. is like it's still interesting that like you know, being gay, like you said, even in 2009, like it wouldn't necessarily have been common to be like, I'm supportive of this or like mm-hmm. make jokes. Now, you know, we've got such a gender fluid and like sexual fluid um, acceptance. They, true. But they do have some other stuff. Are you guys watching that show? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's the girl that's unwed that has to live on the outside of the town. Mm-hmm. Oh, right? I haven't She's met her with yet, that. but yeah. Okay. But I'm saying there's other things like that in the okay. town. Okay. And then there can't be a female doctor. Right? right. So there's things like that, that they're getting to. Yeah. Um, that it's not just talking. Yeah. It's right. But race, they but race or, they've just kind race, of, yeah. which I'm, which I'm cool with. It's uh, I'm actually okay with it. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm, cool I'm okay with, with it yeah. too. I'm just saying it would be great to get to a point where like you don't, I mean, I know that's part of the joke. I mean, the character's name is, um, somebody men love 
um, and he comes out, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. man, man, love. But yeah. again, it's like it's just interesting these discussions about like sexuality and race and stuff like that because uh, it would be nice to get to a point where that's not the joke, you know? Like the joke isn't like, oh, he sucks dick. Oh, he's pursuing, you know, there would have been something else about him that's not based on yeah. Yeah. In this movie, it's, yeah. it's you're saying like Andy Sadberg's character is basically yeah. just about his sexuality. Yeah, I don't know that there was a ton of other character development for him, you know, as mm-hmm. a character. Yeah. They had him as like strong and confident and that he yeah. has a ton yeah. of friends and he yeah. can go talk to anybody. And that's yeah. why Peter asked for his help. But yeah, right. a lot of and then and then that was another thing that was kind of shitty. It was like he hooks him up with this guy at the gym to be friends with, and it's uh, the guy from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, I and love Joe Latrulio. Joe Latrulio, and That's they awesome. and they make fun of his voice, his high voice, and I was like, yeah. dude, this like. That's hilarious. That was hilarious. And, and that's why he's yeah. like, I can't be friends with him because he's got a weird yeah. voice. Dude, just counts him out. His voice went high. Yeah. <laughs> and like Anne Ferrigno's like, I put him in a sleeper hole. He was out. I just love that. I love Lou Ferrigno yeah. and the house he lives in. So there's this house. If anybody comes to LA and you drive up certain streets, there's this one gray house, although the building one in front of it right now. There's this gray house <laughs> on the top of the hill that looks like Dr. Evil's lair. And I'm 90% sure it was the inside that house, right? That they shot this. You they guys shot know a lot of things in this house, I think. Yeah. So it's the yeah. same one though. That's like at the yeah. top of Fairfax, you look up and you can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was dying because I was watching it. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like it's that house that everybody sees when they go drive around LA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Lou Ferrigno has a statue of himself at the uh, I love that part. I would keep that if I I would keep it. that I too. Keep <laughs> I love Lou Ferrigno. I love old school The Hulk. The Hulk is one of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Um, like I pointed out, I, I would pause and be like, "Look, it's the Hulk's pants," you know, and I'd show my kids. I'm like, "Yeah," because my kids love the Hulk. So that's great. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I had in this movie that aged like milk, um, or that like rubbed me the wrong way, <laughs> was uh when she gets engaged and she puts um them on speakerphone. Yeah. I was like, you don't do that. Everybody Nobody knows does that. if you Nobody put it if you put someone on speakerphone, you have to immediately announce, "Hey, by the way, you're on speaker." Right? Oh, which is funny. That bumped me too. Part of the uh, like the one of the writers, what Larry Levine was, he wrote on Seinfeld, and there's a whole episode of Kirby Enthusiasm. Um, That's right. That they keep talking about why didn't you say I was on speakerphone? <laughs> like with that dynamic and that situation, yeah. which is yep. a hilarious episode. Yeah, so it is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that. Bu- oh, Larry's right here. At, Larry's That's here. right at the top, you know. So you're like, um, oh, it's kind of, okay. distra- it's kind of disrespectful, really? you know. And yeah, they like play it playing- the other way. Yeah, and they're playing yeah. it for jokes, and that's fine, and all that. But yeah. sometimes I like a little bit of grounding. <laughs> so, you know? I, I'm just saying, like, if if I'm in a car with you and you don't announce that you're on speakerphone, I feel like I'm going to say, like, and I'm here too because you never oh, know. Absolutely, when what's going to pop gonna... up in yeah. the curb enthusiasm episode? Uh, they would be like, "Larry's here." And he'd be like, "Why did you say it like that? Are you going to talk shit about me if I wasn't?" <laughs> like, just so you know. Larry's listening, so don't say anything <laughs> bad about him. So it's kind of funny. You could play it either way and make you can, it yeah. comical. Yeah. I, I think at that time it was probably like maybe people weren't quite like the etiquette wasn't quite there yet. But well, she's not like she's I not knew. she's not Bluetoothing it in, right? She has like a flip phone that she's like holding. Yeah, up. she had a flip phone. I noticed the flip phones yeah. uh, <laughs> and I missed those. Uh, yeah, I th- you know, there's I didn't like that um, Favreau joke in the, um, the restaurant. Chinese restaurant. Yeah. I felt like that like was completely unnecessary and it was just a way to make fun of Chinese people. And I really hated it. 
And Racist. I think yeah. It didn't. Uh, it had no place in that movie. I think out of the whole movie, that's the one, the biggest thing yeah. uh, that for me aged like milk. It's just, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of a throwaway line for him too. It was. It, like they went over quick. Then why do you need it? Yeah, you don't need it. He yeah. could have said down. He could have said a million things, and he was also uh, like a really despicable character. He was, it, yeah, he was yeah. a total asshole. But it's also yeah. something that guy. But it's also say. like it, yeah. you're also like, yeah, why, yeah. why is that girl married to him? Like, it's just not a healthy relationship. You no, know, it's not. It you're it's, like, oh. yeah, they're a mess. But like, fa- from what I've heard, Favreau is not that character at all. No, so I've had the same. I think he's <laughs> lovely. So yeah, so I mean, watch the 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 chef show. He's got a Netflix. He's oh yeah, awesome. And he yeah. hangs out with a ton of different people from a ton of different backgrounds. Deep yeah. knows about a deep knows about chef shows. I know you? a little bit about chefing things. Did yeah. you? You were a contestant, or you wrote? I was, on yeah, it? I was a contestant on um, Worst Cooks in America, like a <laughs> hundred years ago. And Worst uh, cooks unfortunately, they show a lot of my episodes, but I don't get residuals, so it's no. kind of a bummer. Yeah, because uh, reality, you don't get residuals, right? And uh, so I, I've like walked into, I've walked into like a a biker bar looked up at the screen and my stupid face is on <laughs> the tv and they're like that's you and i was like yeah yeah yeah." and they're like buying me drinks and stuff like such that. a good claim to fame did you yeah. win were you the worst cook in america i was i was terrible it, you know the the whole competition is like who improves the most that's uh, who wins got it. and i was not gonna improve i mean i was the only vegetarian and they're like every dish had meat in it and so <laughs> i'd have to like taste it and spit it out it was horrible oh, and no. uh oh yeah yeah but i did it see the thing is i'm hardcore and i will do it and, competitive yeah but they they didn't show like a, a lot of my funny stuff and oh a lot of the lines that people would say were things that i said that they I gave to took. someone else Damn. and um even ann burrell used an insult against me that was an insult that i wrote so i was like hold on a second like uh, it was like, wait a second, that that maybe you do need me. some residuals. Yeah, Here's, uh, yeah, I was. Oh, writing. give me a writing job on that show, dude. Yeah. I actually, this is very, um, I don't know, diva esque. I'm a little bit of a diva, and <laughs> I, they would keep me back doing like Talking Heads for hours, like two hours, and I'd be like, I'm really tired. Like, can I get out of here? And they're like, Oh, one more thing. And then one time I realized, like, oh, like after Ann Burrell used my own joke against me i was like i know what you guys are doing i'm writing your show so guess what i'm not gonna win this kick me off the show hire me as a writer i can get my wga card because the wga show and i was like i'll write a hundred jokes a day for you (laughs) and i'll live in the house with them and i'll just like kind of do that and they're like we don't do that and i was like well then i'm not doing any more jokes i took my mic off threw it on the ground walked out (laughs) and then i was gone like two days later Uh <laughs> like oh we don't we can't get anything out of the sky anymore fuck yeah yeah, yeah. that's, that's like, lame they wouldn't hook you up with that because that's not too much for them to to do that not. to help you get your card especially but they, that's the thing reality show people people in reality don't like people they don't care about people they have like no empathy yeah. so they just use you to get yeah. you know where they need to go and when you mess with that, they really are not cool That's with interesting. it. interesting. I would write. Good for like, you, though. I would write, fuck you on the side of my plate in ketchup. They never showed that stuff. <laughs> oh. I, I was like. A deep decide. The bad boy of West Cooks in America. I, You know what? It's funny. I, I wasn't the bad boy, but I was definitely. I was definitely the funniest 
person there and it was pretty obvious um and, and thus you pursued a career in comedy writing yeah which so. I, which is a mistake i think comedy writing is too hard <laughs> it's like way too hard should have become um, a chef should have really tried to ha- get better at cooking yeah i'm actually much worse at that so <laughs> uh, i started out as like a procedural writer that's what i wanted oh. to do and oh. then someone said oh you're funny you should write comedy and i listened to them and i was like oh i made a mistake because if I had stayed doing procedurals, I bet I'd be a showrunner by now because it's like you just crank them out. You know. But would you be happy? I mean, you've got to chase the thing that makes you feel excited. And it seems like comedy was is your jam. Yeah. I mean, I ideally I would write on a dramedy oh, okay. um, because I like really like things with real stakes and real emotions, not like people flying off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. And but I also, you know, in that there's a lot of really funny things that are crazy and i kind of like that i like real stakes you know i like that grounded you said yeah yeah well uh, dramedies are my favorite okay well if anyone listening wants to hire him and a dramedy writing capacity uh we'll make sure we'll we'll plug you at the end but before we do that let's quickly round out was there anything else from this film that bumped you guys aged like milk david i know you love your fun facts Anything else? Ooh, fun fact, uh, I don't have too many fun facts. Okay. Um, we talked about the, the dog's wait, name. The, for you guys, the script was on the shelf for 11 years. Um, it was really? first called, yeah, it was written in midsummer 1990s uh, under the oh. title Let's Be Friends. Early, oh, version, yeah. early version of the script okay. made its way to John Hamburg several times, but he was just Ooh. too busy with other projects until... Oh, sure. He got some free time in 07 and he was able to do some rewrites and then make mm. it. He said he wanted to add more sex jokes. said he wanted it to be R-rated. Um, okay. He wanted they- to discuss sex. And he said, because that's how like people do, do actually talk. Mm. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting. I, that's not been my experience in real life, but um, <laughs> there you have it. Those are comedy people. And comedy dudes. You can't be friends unless you're talking about coming in a condom at your juice station or whatever. But like the the women do it too in their kind of group, right? So she's like, "Oh, that's that's when you went down on him because you had your period." Like, yeah. What do you say? Like, get the ring or something like that. He goes down on you all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and they talk up. about how he goes down on her, and he she doesn't reciprocate, and then right, yeah. uh, Jason Siegel's character stands up at dinner and oh, at the midpoint, lets it out. Yep, because yeah. I, I was like, okay, when are the moments? You Pay know, it and, and it it's like back. it's crazy. Like that midpoint, it's like they, it's like he goes on the hike, then five minutes later, slap a dot boss. Then we're at the the engagement party. It's like it's lot. boom, boom, boom. Yeah, right there. And the low points the same way. It's just a bunch of stuff. Life and, comes at you fast. Um, Rush yeah. stuck around to play the concert, uh, play a concert for the crew. Yeah. Oh yeah. wow, that's cool. so nice. That's right. I'm a big Rush fan as well. Like I oh, remember. Okay. Cool. listen to my dad's big rush guy and that would be like the only uh-huh. one i liked for like oh, rock, classic li- rock yeah. that i also liked yeah <laughs> and then so like when you play that and uh i used to, when i was a little kid like play it on the seatbelt. i'd slap the bass mm-hmm. you slap at the mm-hmm. bass they're yeah. canadian right mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. a lot of my canadian friends are always quick to remind me that they're canadian because uh oh, yeah you know they're proud and they the should holy be. triumphant mm-hmm. i i love canadian things you know, Canadian <laughs> comedians are great. Yes. I like going there. I've toured yes. Canada a couple of times. Like, uh, yeah, I love it up there. I would move to Vancouver in a heartbeat. 
Vancouver is great. I lived in Toronto for almost six years. Oh, really? uh, Yeah. Before I moved to LA, that was my like, I left Australia, I moved to Toronto. You know, if you're Australian, you either go to like London and like never come home or you you come to America. And if you're like a creative trying to be a writer, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to Toronto. And I sort of did this Hmm. weird half step, but it was actually great. Because if you don't know, for anybody listening, Toronto has a booming um, production and film and TV scene. And for me, I think I needed to mature up in Canada before oh, I could hit uh, before I could come to LA. Like I didn't flame out in LA yet, touch wood. Yeah. Um, but if I'd come here when I was like 22, which is when I moved to Toronto, I might have just gone through all my money and ended up, you know, doing porn in the valley or something. So I didn't I mean, do that. that does which happen. is an okay profession. Yeah. It's all I've I've heard it's all left the valley now. I heard I used to work, uh, yeah, yeah. I used to work next to the Vivid Building um, for a oh, year. Oh yeah, I know the Vivid Building. Yeah, but they've um, all they're gone. They took the sign down. There used to be a lot of really interesting guys hanging out the front thinking they were going <laughs> to see people. I'm like, dude, this is probably the corporate office. What the fuck? Where did you work in the Vivid Building? No, I worked next door. The building, oh, the next door. big, big, big black building next door. Yeah. Oh, the big black. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is the part of the podcast where we shout out someone from the cast or crew. Um, a deep you are. I guess we usually let the guests go first in case there's like crossover. I don't think there will be today. So but you it do you pick someone you know? Or you no, pick, it could be uh, anyone. Anybody. I'll, anybody. I'll go. I'll, I'll go first then, so you can okay. have a second. So I sure. am shouting out Esti Gabay, Gabby. She was the assistant to Mr. Hamburg. I am also a director's assistant um, currently. I love my boss. He's extremely friendly and uh, gives me a lot of opportunities. And I noticed that she went with him to a couple of different movies. She did um, Little Fockers and I Love You Man as well. (laughs) She was the assistant to him. Um, And then she went on to become a production coordinator on Bad Teacher. And then I actually looked her up on LinkedIn because that's her last credit. Um, She ended up working in client relations or something for a couple of years. And then it looks like she just stopped working. And um, I assume she had kids or like just stopped putting stuff up but mm. uh listen being an assistant to a producer or a director it's a fun job it's a hard job it's um, a hard job speaking of assistants you know we were talking about gatekeepers there are a ton of assistants out there so like every successful person that you know of a certain level probably has somebody helping them with their schedule and um mm-hmm. either personal tasks or you know like executive assistant stuff is always like scheduling and rolling calls and um, every single agent in this town has at least one assistant for the most part, if they're, if they're doing any kind of business. So it's, um, yeah. it's a grind, but, um, mm-hmm. you usually take those jobs because you want to go on to something else. So SD, I see you and I appreciate you. And just a quick shout out to all the assistants out there in Hollywood. I know it's hard, um, but you are appreciated and your time will come. Keep, keep going, keep going. Keep grinding. That's very sweet. Yeah. Like you know, that. assistants have to stick together. Um, Adeep, do you have someone you want to shout out? Uh, Yes. Um, I think I have to shout out um, Thomas Lennon, Tom Lennon, because I accosted him at a Writers Guild event once. Uh, Him and Ben Garrett were talking about, um, you know, the process of writing and like they're big on outlines and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just went up to him and I was like, "Hey, I have a podcast, and would you guys be on it?" Like, oh, and then like, <laughs> really? To, yeah, and I got to like know them a little bit. I oh, haven't talked great. to them in a few years now, but he and he plays uh, Doug in this film. He plays um, Doug, and, and he's that's the that's the guy that like misreads the situation and thinks they're on a date and tries to kiss yeah. him. Yeah. Kiss and that's him so Reno nine one one, right? Yeah, that's so oh Reno nine one. I just started watching that. He's so good. He's yeah. so good. You know, it takes a lot of nerve to spend a beautiful evening with someone and then never call them again. 
Doug, I can explain. I just wish I could take back that kiss. Oh. Because I felt something that I haven't felt in years. And now I know it was the taste of betrayal. It wasn't the taste of betrayal. It was the taste of betrayal. No, it really wasn't. It was the taste of betrayal, you fucking whore. Doug. Good day. Doug, wait. I can actually explain what just happened. I would love to hear that. Um, well, while let's do your uh, shout out. Okay. Um, I'm going with Richard cheeky i don't i just fucked his last name up but it's c-h-y-c-k-i and he um is like a sound mixer and he did the recording for rush on this film oh yeah he also worked on serendipity as a sound recordist charlie's angels scream three um the glimmer man so it looks like he's he's had a ton of work and he's worked with rush multiple times too so oh that must have been a cool film to to work on and to be a part of and to be able to do like sound mixing and recording for rush and especially that scene um i know my parents went and saw them uh saw rush a few years after this and they played mm-hmm. scenes from this movie at their concerts oh wow See, yeah that's so canadian <laughs> they're like we were in a movie guys yeah, yeah. Movie. it's like you're yeah. freaking rush what are yeah, you talking you're, about you're, you're the big part of that you yeah. know you're, yeah. the big, you're the big deal and it's like ah, eh, you know that's too funny we're playing yeah. different time signatures it's you know. fine our drummer <laughs> writes all the lyrics about you know <laughs> fantasy and stuff. Right. Well, uh, guys, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, Adeep, where can people find you if they want to connect with you? You can find me uh, on Twitter at a a d i p, and that, you can pretty much find me anywhere at that because I'm actually the one person who has his first name as his yeah, handle yeah. everywhere but Clubhouse. Someone has it. Oh, uh, rude. And but it's Clubhouse. It's I'll live. Um, i like i can't remember last time i was in there actually same it's been a minute yeah um yeah so you can find me there and i'm always doing stuff on letv writers and um i do way too many panels probably and i have a i have a couple articles in script magazine right now that you can check out on developing your writer's voice nice and uh i think they're fun they're not like normal screenwriting articles they're actually like pretty silly So, and I have some good script excerpts and you can sort of see like, oh, I see why Shonda is so awesome and why, you know, these people are awesome. So, and what's your, like, if you could just boil it down to like one sentence for someone that's like, I think I want to be a TV writer. What would you say to them? I would say if there's anything that you enjoy and are better, are good at, uh, more than this than do that because it's really really hard yeah uh and and if you if i if you get past that um write write as much as you can that's the number one thing just write 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 i always wish i had written more and i've written like a bunch of stuff and i still like oh i got five more things to write you know just write yeah it's really so simple read scripts don't just read screenwriting books watch show when you watch shows and movies like break them down structure wise uh and you'll start to see like it'll just like the matrix you're like ah i see the matrix yeah (laughs) it'll become like ones and zeros like oh shit i figured it out yeah so so yeah right it's such a simple piece of advice (laughs) no it's a great but it's it's true but in chair like i see so many people on twitter just talking about what they want to write and it's like dude are you just fucking writing it like 
I'm guilty yeah. of it too. I'm, no, I, we, I, I, I haven't written this weekend, but like I was on a deadline for something and yeah. it was fellowship season and, uh-huh. and then you kind of burn out and you're like, I cannot, because yeah. writing uses a part of your brain similar to acting, David, where it's like, you just like, it's physical and you put every, if you're doing it right, you're like a sponge that gets wrung out and then you're like, Fuck, yeah, I'm so tired, you know? Yeah. You're like, so depl- like when you're in a writer's room all day and you're breaking story or like pitching so many jokes, like when you leave, it, like you're physically exhausted because yeah. you just left it all out there on the, you know, the on the table because yeah. you can't hold back. Um, and it's just so much stimulation to in, in every way. So it's like exhausting. Uh, but I have friends who told me like years ago, like if you become a television writer, it's almost like you're a marathoner and you just have to like get enough sleep, eat right. Like all those things that. <laughs> but the great thing is then hopefully athlete. you go on a hiatus and then you can have like, th- it's like some of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's good and bad. Um, it's, it's a never ending carousel. Right. And we're yeah. so excited. David and I are both so pumped to see, you know, when you can talk about these secret Netflix shows and mm-hmm. to see where you end up next and hopefully see you skyrocket to the level of Shonda, if that's where you want to go. I mean, yeah, I, uh, why not? I mean, Why who not? doesn't want to have an empire? No, I just want to be mediocre. Yeah. Well, I just want to live in a boring house. Before, before you leave us, um, I know you're running on time. Do you think this movie aged like milk or not? Um, I, I think for the most part, the the heart of the movie, I think, doesn't age like milk. I think it's good. But I think there are just little things that sort of uh, chip away at it. Mm-hmm. that like those little things definitely didn't age well like probably didn't age well before they even finished cutting it and, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> the editor's like uh, do, should i keep this chinese food joke uh, in here no. yeah like yeah. but i do love this movie and i can quote like the entire movie so mm-hmm. that says something i just i love paul rudd and paul rudd could just do no wrong by yeah, me so awesome. i'll just watch whatever he's in too he's the so best. kind of a sucker yeah, yeah. david what do you, think? you guys think uh, I I'm similar. I do not think this movie aged like milk. I think, yeah, there's some little bit of specks in there, like green specks that you just yeah. kind of, I just took a spoon, got those out <laughs> because it was still cold. I was like, I'll chuck this thing. See, see yeah. how the rest feels. Yeah. And the rest yeah. felt good yeah. after you removed yeah. a couple of those little things, the rest yeah. does feel good. I was geeking out watching this movie as I always do. I've seen it multiple times. Um, mm-hmm. love the cast and i think it's a good yeah. good feel good movie what about you yeah. Paris? i'm gonna say it's a chalk milk the bad and the good canceled each other out to become like <laughs> a base like you could you know drink this if you had like heartburn because like you said i was thinking about the specs but i think there was a couple of things that annoyed me and because it was towing the line of like toxic ma- masculinity and this like whole like yeah. how a wedding we didn't even jump into like the wedding industry which we'll say for another time but like sure I think it's a chalk milk. Um, it's 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 the good and the bad weigh each other out. Like there were some things that obviously I love about this movie and make yeah. me laugh. And then there were things that made me cringe. So we kind of came to a middle ground where mm. I was like, yeah. Uh, I could see that. You know, yeah. I can see that. Line sure. your stomach with this and then yeah. drink either the rancid milk or the good milk, you know, either, whichever <laughs> way you want to go. But Maybe it uh, ages like almond milk or something. Oh yeah. It's like not like, it's it not didn't like go whole fully milk, bad. But... Yeah. <laughs> The bacteria is slightly different. Um, (laughs) Well, Adeep, we really appreciate you coming on on the podcast, sharing your knowledge, talking about this movie. Um, 
we're so excited to see where you go and yeah thank That's you so very much nice. yeah, yeah, come back do, we'll do another uh, yeah, movie love in the future to. i'd love to do yeah. uh, something else that like maybe really yeah. something really bad you're in really la bad. too and hopefully when yeah. the, all the variants go through their alphabet then maybe we can do this in yeah. person yeah 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 <laughs> uh, I, uh, we should definitely do that yeah i'm excited for uh, the super one uh, that'll be good i mean i think after that then you know I think I'm gonna yeah. wait out the Delta and I'm gonna get the one off to the Delta. There's Lambda too. Okay, Lambda. So yeah, they're I'm just not... going through, that's a frat, they're just different frat names. And it's yeah. gonna be, <laughs> as soon as we're done with those. Yeah. Which one did yeah. you get? I got the Epsilon, <laughs> I got the Gamma Gamma Pi or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I, part of the Greek system, so. I, I yeah, I, uh, I got the Alpha or the Omega. What's the one, like religiously, oh, you, you actually did get the original one? I did, I did get COVID Damn. last year, yeah. Oh, yeah. gee. The worst, the thing worst ever. Well, ever. not don't exciting. get it. Don't get it if you can avoid it. Don't maybe don't go to a music festival with a hundred. Oh, I, I just saw the Lollapalooza photo. Yeah, it's like oh a Wes Wally of like who the fuck. <laughs> are you? Hey, if, if they're vaccinated, they're straight. Uh-huh. Yeah. I guess. Well, you're not going to be hospitalized. More than like you're not going to be hospitalized, right. but like so, the yeah. Delta one still sucks. I have a couple friends yeah. that have gone in now. Oh, you, you do? Five, yeah. Five I have or six a now. Every yeah. day it's like someone new is like, hey guys on Instagram. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. me. Um, but yes, Adib, thank you so much. Appreciate you. You should check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because gross, gross, gross <laughs> milk is gross. Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Later on, Minche. <laughs> Later on. <laughs>